Hello and welcome to Inside Modular, the podcast of commercial modular construction brought to you by the Modular Building Institute. Welcome everyone. My name is John McMullen and I'm the marketing director here at MBI. Today I'm talking with Stuart Cameron, managing director and co-founder of UK-based SCMS Associates. Stuart is here to talk about his firm's work in the modular construction sector, and in particular, the importance of sustainability and modular design. Stuart, thanks for being here. Not a problem. Thank you for having me. Uh, so tell me about yourself, Stuart. What's your background and how did you get involved with building engineering and how did SEMS come to be? So I'm currently the managing director and MMC lead for SEMS, who myself and a colleague from a previous company co-founded over half a decade ago now. Um, my background has always been in engineering and construction, having left school what feels a bit of a lifetime ago now and going straight into an apprenticeship with a mechanical contracting company in the north of the UK where I served my time both on the tools and in the design office, eventually earning my stripes as a, as a time-served installation engineer. It was from there when I felt I gained enough experience practically that I was fortunate enough to go to university part-time while gaining hands-on experience at uh, MEP Design Consultancy where I managed to get myself a, a couple of degrees in building services engineering and sustainability. Um, from there, I made the decision to move south to the capital, London, which afforded me the opportunity to work on a lot more prestigious schemes, uh, such as the, the Houses of Parliament and, and gain experience on overseas projects in places like the Middle East. And it was after a number of, of years working at a larger multidisciplinary organisation where, as I say, myself and, and my colleague were employed, that we just felt we could do a better job and offer a more tailored non-corporate service to our clients. So we, um, yeah, we decided to take the plunge, establish SCMS and haven't really looked back since. That's awesome. So have you guys incorporated modular projects since the beginning or is that something uh, that you've just added? So modular is something we incorporated as a key service in the very early days of SCMS. Um, we recognize that MMC especially is gonna be a huge part of the future of the construction industry, not just here in the UK, but worldwide as well. And we took the attitude that we'd rather be ahead of the game rather than playing catch up when it eventually did. Um, so we started very much modularizing our approach and our MEP designs for traditional clients, which then caught the attention of a number of prominent modular suppliers, both here in the UK and Europe, who invited us to assist on prototype works, research and development, DFMA, etc., which eventually snowballed to today, where we've established ourselves as the, if not one of the leading modular MEP consultants, um, having delivered and worked on a whole range of modular schemes here in the UK, Europe, the Middle East, and, and further afield as well. Well, that's got to be uh, something to be very proud of that was a, a prescient decision you made incorporating that uh, so early. I know modular right now is booming in the UK. I know in the UK things are very different than here in the in the US. I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about those differences in particular, like what types of buildings uh, is the industry in the UK focusing on and what do you know about the differences between uh, the UK sector and the US? Yeah, sure. So modular is actually very active here. 
in the UK and Europe, which is which is great. Um, and there seems to be a lot of buy-in and encouragement from a government level as well uh, to utilize Definitely a modular. Difference. <laughs> yeah, to utilize modular moving forward. As I think everybody recognizes that the only way to meet our housing shortage in a reasonable time frame is to utilize modular as well as traditional construction methods, which I can understand, I think, is a little bit different to what's happening in the US, where obviously politics can be a little bit more fragmented. To um, say the least. Yeah, um, there's a huge focus at the minute on housing over here in modular, both affordable and private. And this is largely driven by the shortage of both, which is not just unique to the UK, but very much a worldwide critical issue. I think it was at your conference in April where, where somebody mentioned there's a 7 million housing shortfall in, in the US alone, which is, it just blows my mind a little bit. Yeah. Um, where I think we differ from the US as well is over here, we're very driven by sustainability and net zero as a primary goal, rather than just delivering meanwhile homes that are affordable to buy or quick to build. Um, we, we focus on making an impact on reducing the, you know, the amount of carbon produced, the amount of, the amount of energy used to operate a home, the operating costs to the occupant. Um, and that's just not with, you know, not just with high performing fabrics or low air tightness, but the use of low carbon technologies as well, such as air source heat pumps, photovoltaics, LED lighting, battery storage, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and from that, we, we, you know, we have a number of net zero modular schemes here in London, which exceed the 100% carbon reduction target that is a requirement of net zero. And we have one in particular, which has been nominated for a net zero award at the end of this month, which we've got our, our fingers crossed for. And I also think another area where we differ is that a lot of what's being built using modular over here is done so in steel. Although we do have some schemes where we are utilizing materials such as CLT, SIPs or, or glue lamb, but it is actually very rare for anybody to do stick built here. Well, thank you for that. I think uh, a great you know, breakdown of, of those differences. Uh, you mentioned sustainability. That's certainly uh, one of the big differences. I know here it's it's becoming more of a priority, but I don't, I don't think it's nearly quite uh, as big of a priority as, as it is in the UK and Europe. But let's talk about uh, SCMS uh, in particular. How did sustainability become a big focus uh, for you? What was the genesis of that? So for us, um, sustainability is actually one of our core values as a business. We recognize as chartered engineers, we've got a responsibility to engage and educate not only our clients, but our colleagues, families, friends, and hope that with the use of our knowledge effectively and readily in, in execution and performance, we will enact, enact change on a, on a global scale. Also by being headquartered in, in London, which is probably one of the more sustainably forward planning cities in the world and is leaps and bounds ahead of anywhere else in the UK in terms of targets and requirements. We're always challenged to be forward thinking and measured on what we can achieve sustainably. So are there, are there particular goals that SEMS has in regards to sustainable design or are, are there metrics that you use? And, and if so, what are they? Yeah, so I mean, our first goal is always net zero, which is, it's a buzzword at the minute, that's on the tip of everybody's tongue these days. But as a local authority requirement here in London itself, and also as a desired target for a lot of private modular, modular developers, 
it's our first step now whenever developing any of our briefs. Um, we're also very conscious of the Mayor of London's target for a zero carbon London by 2050, and obviously the 2015 Paris Agreement that the UK signed up to, along with 178 other countries, which I'm not entirely sure the US did, um, with an aim to limit the global average temperature rise to no more than one, one and a half degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels. So we've always got that at the back of our minds. And in terms of metrics, you know, there's quite a few available to us here in the UK, such as, you know, we have a we have a centralised set of building regulations for the entire United Kingdom, which makes it a little bit more simple. Um, we've obviously recently updated those on the 15th of June. We've also got things like BRIAM, LEED. We also have the Future Home Standards, which are due in 2025. LETI, you know, the Well Standard for Offices. So there's, there's many available to us, and it all depends on the type of scheme to which one is more suitable for that particular particular project. So tell me about uh, some of the projects, modular projects that, that you guys have designed. You alluded to some a few minutes ago. How was sustainability emphasized uh, in some of the projects you've done in London, for example? Yeah, so in the, in the majority of um, our modular projects, sustainability is actually prioritized um, and not just emphasized. So it's in there as one of the critical items to be established in the same way that a project you know, size or massing would be giving the same amount of importance to sustainability as you would say to how a building looks or how many apartments it may have you know, for sellability. Um, in one particular case where we have a rollout of a targeted 2000 modular homes in a London borough here, which is across numerous sites, our first priority was each and every scheme had to achieve net zero. And, and this is a mix of individual houses and apartment blocks. And the big reason behind that is the end user client is a local authority, the, the, the London Borough of Greenwich, and, and part of the Greater London Authority who establishes the targets for achieving net zero. So really, they have to be seen doing it themselves, as well as just stipulating a, a requirement to, to private developers. Um, and, to, and in order to do that, we worked with numerous off-site modular manufacturers and ensured a, a standardised approach was maintained across all of the schemes. And we also took a fabric-first approach to minimise things like heat losses, energy usage, heat gains, passive cooling and, and, and ventilation, things like that. So we, um, we actually elected to use fabric details, new values, which again, exceeded the requirements of the future home standard, which I mentioned previous and isn't actually due until 2025. Um, we utilized things like high performance, triple glazing, ensured we had dual aspect windows to deal with natural cooling and passive vent. And then it's only from there when we start to look at low carbon technologies, such as monoblock air source heat pumps, which provide heating and hot water for the dwellings, uh, photovoltaic panels to generate enough electricity to cater for regulated electrical loads, mechanical ventilation, heat recovery, and then the other items such as you know LED lighting and advanced controls with weather compensation and, and things like that. Um, another, another place where we've really had to think outside the box is a, is a modular hotel project, which is completely off grid uh, and not easily accessible from the mainland because it's on an island in the middle of the North Sea. Cool. Um, so the challenge there wasn't just how much carbon we could reduce, but how to actually make the building function without the need for you know dirty big diesel generators in the absence of a, a functioning power grid. 
I'd love to see a case study on that. That sounds amazing. Yeah, um, sure. What can you tell uh, designers and engineers who have the goal to create more sustainable modular designs? And these may be people in the U.S. as we're, you know, becoming more and more forward thinking in our designs. We're lagging behind the U.K., I'm sure. What can you tell these designers and engineers that might help them create more sustainable designs? What goals should they be setting? So when we look at sustainability, we, we obviously, we don't just see it as a measured target of a reduction of something. We also see it as a better way to manage and undertake designs to ensure they're you know, installed in a more sustainable way. And we're taking, you know, and we're talking all the way through to minimizing waste in the factories and on site, you know, ensuring as much, you know, we talk about MEP, ensuring as much as completed within the factory as possible, you know, thereby, reducing the frequency of vehicles to site and the number of journeys that equipment is making before it's eventually in situ used by the occupant. You know, we we would like to see as a first goal and step in the right direction that MEP is actually one of the first priorities when it comes to modular designs and not just by selecting a, a super efficient air source heat pump or split unit that has a a COP of five plus, and then throwing in some pipe work as a, an afterthought, but actually looking at how MEP will communicate with both the structural and architectural elements of the modules it serves. And I think if you take that first step, then the rest should be pretty easy to follow, and it won't seem such a radical change from what's currently being do, done now. You, you mentioned MEP a lot there. You, you anticipated my next question. I, I know that besides sustainability, uh, SCMS puts a great deal of effort into its MP, MEP design. Uh, what can you tell me about that and, and the interrelation between MEP and sustainability? So obviously MEP design is, is super important to us. It's not just a core service of, of ours, but essentially our bread and butter. And we feel it's critical to ensure our fundamentals are, are refined and we strive to deliver excellence with success in mind, always aiming for, you know, aiming high for our clients as ultimately we're accountable to challenge and innovate preconceptions for economic growth and sustainability. And there's two ways we've really focused in on how our MEP design can be more efficient and sustainable. And firstly, that's by our adoption of BIM. So we made a business plan decision back in 2018 that every design we undertake will be managed and coordinated under the principles of BIM at no extra cost to our clients, as it's become a primary method of delivery and not just something special we do every three months. So every design and project is coordinated and clash detected in the 3D digital environment long before it goes to a factory for or site for construction. Um, this is an area we're quite proud of, actually, as just recently our fantastic BIM team have just secured um, our ISO 19650 accreditation for the practice, which is industry recognized for you know, full BIM compliance. And I believe we're one of the first dedicated MEP consultancy practices to have this in the UK. So we're, we're pretty happy with that. Um, the other area we're putting a lot of effort into is how the MEP elements are installed by the way in which we design them. For example, one of the biggest areas of, of error in the construction industry is, is unfortunately human. And there's no getting around that as we, you know, we need people to build and install. And we're all susceptible to making mistakes. You know, mm -hmm. we're only human. Um, 
However, we've taken a lot of inspiration from the car manufacturing industry and how they not only build cars, but fit them out as well. And a good example of this is when you see a, a dashboard being fitted into a car, it's not by a person coming in with a tape measure and then cutting something to size and then clipping it into place and adding the ancillaries such as speedometer and fuel gauge, but they come as a pre-assembled product and they come as a thousand pre-assembled products. And lo and behold, every BMW that comes off the line looks and has the exact same dashboard as the car before it. And I must say, obviously, there are other car manufacturers available, of course. But, you know, we want to take the same principles and, and do in our designs and make MEP more of a, a product than an install. And we do that via taking, the, you know, the dashboard approach and we create models for MEP sub-assemblies that can be manufactured off-site somewhere in their hundreds and thousands and then brought to a factory or a site and be simply connected into place, saving time, money, materials, while also prioritizing sustainability, quality, and the modular element. Well, that, that's, that's really cool that you brought up the car manufacturing. Uh, I know a lot of our members here in the States have taken a similar inspiration, um, looking at you know how Toyota manufactures, how different car manufacturers around the world put together their products. It seems to be a recurring theme, um, but I think there's huge potential there. So I'm excited to hear that you guys have embraced that. So tell me, tell me about the rest of your year. You've got, you've done all these amazing projects. Tell me about uh, what's on tap for you for the rest of the year, maybe next year. What projects are you working on at the moment? So obviously, as I mentioned, we've just finalized uh, our design for this off-grid hotel. Mm -hmm. um, which so the island where that, that's going to sit is a famous bird watching island off the coast, north coast of Scotland. Um, that's now moving into fabrication um, and should be built by October, hopefully. Otherwise, the island becomes very difficult to reach mm -hmm. um, due to weather. Um, and yeah, we're, we're, we're quite all excited to see that one um, come to fruition. As I say, it's a, it's a unique project, which there's not many of in the world. Um, we're also three years into a delivery framework, which is, I think, 10 years extendable to 13 for the Royal Borough of Greenwich here in London, which at the minute is the largest modular affordable housing scheme in the UK, where we've got a number of schemes at various stages, whether that be design, construction or, you know, handover. And um, on the horizon, we've got a number of schemes we're hoping we'll get the green light, such as a modular hotel we are hoping to collaborate on with another modular building institute member over in vancouver canada we're also hoping to get involved in our first modular project in california in the us which is also a, a hotel project um, we're also involved in in a 300 plus residential unit scheme in cardiff wales which is currently in for planning at the minute and we're hoping that will get approval any day now um, We've also got a plan to take what we can know and have learned in the residential hotel student markets um, to the commercial market, so more so in the office fit-out scene, to see if we can you know, enact the same amount of change and efficiency in that sector using modular as we have done in, in the others. That sounds like a very full slate. Um, <laughs> one, one more question for you. Uh, I, I like to ask this of, of, of people. Look, you, you've told me about the rest of your year. You've got a lot going on. What about the next five or ten? What not not just in terms of your projects in particular, but what do you think uh, the industry 
is headed towards in five to 10 years. And we can keep it to the UK because that's where you are and what you know. But where, where do you see the modular construction industry in the UK in, in five to 10 years? I would like to see it almost on par with the traditional industry as something that's recognized and uh, and embraced as a, as a regular construction method. Mm -hmm. I know at the minute here and everywhere else, you know, there, there's still that small amount of fear when it comes to modular because, you know, it's built in a factory. And, and I, I would say the one thing that's lagging is the contracts aren't there for it yet. So it becomes really difficult for the, mm -hmm. the modular builders to, you know, really get, get a good um, bit of momentum going. But I would like to see it, you know, become the regular or irregular go-to construction method where people are comfortable with fire risk and actually getting mortgages and things like this on, on modular properties. But equally, I'd also like to see it being embraced in a sense, at the minute, a lot of modular buildings that are built, you know, they go up, they're fantastic. And then people put bricks in front of them to make them look like a traditional building to hide the fact that it's modular, you know, whereas I'd rather embrace the fact it's modular, you know, it's a new technique, but it's not new. It's been around for, you know, a couple of hundred years. Long really. time, yeah. Yeah, and um, since we were shipping prisoners off to Australia right. in the 18th century when we put their houses on the boats. But, you know, it's relatively new to, I guess, the post-war population. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to see it embraced in the same way that bricks have been embraced. Uh, well, thank you for that. I appreciate it. Um, uh, I know it's early yet. Uh, you guys mentioned being at World of Modular in April. Uh, we were so glad you were there. Uh, I hope it was a great experience for you. I was wondering if we could look forward to seeing you in 2023. It was a fantastic experience and we'll absolutely be back for 2023, providing there's no more travel restrictions uh, back into play. No, um, don't jinx it. There's going to be no, no travel restrictions. It's Absolutely actually one no. of my uh, favorite places on the planet, <laughs> Vegas. So I'm, I'm equally looking forward to that. Excellent. Um, so much so that we're hoping to be able to host a talk in one of the breakout sessions, just like some of the great speakers did back in San Antonio. That would be great. That would be great. Yeah, just let us know. Um, we'd, we'd love to have you. That would be fantastic. Uh, thank you, Stuart. Uh, thanks. I know you guys are new members. Thank you for joining, uh, for attending World of Modular. I really look forward to seeing you guys in Las Vegas next March. Great. Thanks for having me, John. My name is John McMullen, and this has been another episode of Inside Modular, the podcast of commercial modular construction. Until next time.